Welcome to Bat Therapy, psychology of Batman, superheroes, and other comic book characters. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and educator and comic aficionado Keaton Hopkins. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube and social media and find our Patreon at patreon.com slash therapy. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. Okay, so tonight is super exciting. We are... We're recording actually with another fellow psychologist and fellow Batman nerd, which is great. So we're going to be talking about Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, and we're going to be talking about it with Dr. Jack Sen. So he is actually program director of the Multicultural Counseling Institute, and they actually do uh, continuing education courses for psychologists. Uh, and through that, he's actually a host of his own podcast, People of Color in Psychology. So really excited to have you with us. Um, so yeah, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. This is really exciting to be able to talk about uh, mental health and psychology in a very fun way. Yes, that's that is me and Keaton's jam right there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Very, very yes. Very, very happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, you bet. So, would you prefer us refer to you as Jack or Doctor Tsen as we just call me Jack. All right. So yeah. we'll go all first names. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So um, Jack, I know. So Jack and I actually know each other. You used to work with me over at the Austin VA. We kind of kept in touch with each other. And you mentioned the whole nerd side of you. So we were very excited to connect. But you had not seen this movie yet, right? Until I brought it up to you as a potential podcast episode. That is correct. That is correct. Uh, you know, I love Marvel movies. I uh, love superhero movies, but for some reason, over the past years, just haven't really had a chance to watch movies. I'm mean, also having a kiddo, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> can't really watch, sit through a movie. Uh, and I, I don't know. And I think this is an important element to the whole concept of having Asian Americans in film, and which we'll probably talk, get into. But yeah. I really am glad that you y'all have invited me to get on the show and also watch the film because in many ways it, it was a process for me to challenge my own internalized racism and oh. so these are issues that will come up that we can talk about you know if we go there yeah for sure um and we're happy to go or not go wherever you're comfortable for sure um yeah i uh i really, really loved this movie. Um, Keaton and I actually, um, another episode this season is about uh, Kamala Khan, uh, Miss Marvel. And so we we talked quite a bit about how how important it is for a variety of stories to be able to be told. Um, and for us, it's really great. Obviously, it's really great when there's a story that can connect to you personally. Um, but it's also really great when you can have stories that help connect you to people that have very different backgrounds from yourself and find that relatability. Um, and to also kind of like this podcast, have ways that are fun to be able to relate to each other. Um, so yeah, I, I guess Keaton, um, 
when did you probably watched it when it came out right i did um and i was yeah i watched it when it came out i was very excited about it because uh in addition to always like wanting to keep up with the mcu i've also always been a huge uh martial arts Ah. movies fan and so when this came out i was like man this is really hitting like it's really hitting all the bullet points as far as movies that i would like to see and i was also really excited because i had never read any of uh shang chi's uh comics i'd never Mm. read and so i was going in like completely fresh the only thing i knew was that uh from time to time i think he crossed over with um danny iron fist uh Uh, i know that they have some cross a lot of crossing over together because i think they both end up dealing with like the hand organization and all of that so i knew very very little and so i was very i was super excited i was super when i saw the cast i was really excited to watch it and so yeah i really i also really enjoyed it yeah i think one of my so it, it's actually one of those movies that I, I love putting on in the background and then it inevitably takes over whatever I'm doing. Cause first off there are subtitles. Like when you ha- need to read subtitles, it's a terrible movie to put on in the background. Um, but I've had so many times where I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to watch this movie and I'll just have it on in the background. And then I, I get really engulfed in it. Um, and I, I like the, I, I just like the way that there are all these different, characters that are showing kind of different representations of of Asian and Asian American and what that kind of looks like like um uh when Aquafina's character she tells her mom like you're American uh and just like these like little tidbits about what it is to be American what it is to try and um like I think I've mentioned before on the podcast like my mom was first generation born in the United States Um, and so she's talked before too, about like what it is, you know, the immigration component and how to kind of, I I guess, have your identity and what that looks like from different layers and different generations and whatnot. Right. Um, yeah, that's gotta, that's gotta be very interesting because like, you know, any, anytime you have cultures crossing, it's always really cool to me because at the end of it, it ends up being just a brand new culture because you're bringing in, um, you're bringing in, like you said, like something from your other country and then you have American culture, but then that combination ends up being something very unique. I've always thought that was really cool. Yeah. Jack, how did, how did this strike you? Did did it feel like something you could relate to? Did it seem like they were kind of off in any way? Like, how did it strike you? Yeah, um, I I mean, a lot of reactions, obviously, with, with the dinner or the dinner table yeah. scene with Aquafino, right? And Sanchi, they were, you know, uh, being pulled away uh, because of some mission or task. Uh, and I think that scene was very important because... Uh, there is this idea of the model minority myth, how particularly mm. amongst Asian American communities, there is a perception you must be doctor, lawyer, engineer. You're very restricted in terms of your roles. And so to see that there were individuals that were just wanted to, you know, 
what did they do to let um they parked cars so they were being mm-hmm. chauffeurs and yeah they're allies. And, you know yeah and just seeing that oh there's different roles and and that is okay and so a lot of asian americans internalize this idea i must be this person otherwise i'm a failure and you did hear a little bit of that dialogue during yeah, that uh yeah. dinner table scene which is you know they're, they're joking hey what are you gonna do with, with your life like this criticism yeah. so uh it's mixed in a sense that you know it's elucidating an important issue that happens in our community. And uh, I just think that it's great that they're showing that. Uh, I think it's great to say that, hey, you are American, you know. Hence, uh, Keaton, that you were mentioning the emergence of creating something new mm. when you have folks who immigrate from another country and then coming to the United States and you see this, this uh, emergence of something it's a new culture, something beautiful that helps you thrive in this new environment. Yeah, yeah. I love to, that's a that's a great point about that dinner scene. I, I think it's one of my favorite scenes, actually. There's just so, so many interesting little tidbits from, from like different generations. And then, um, you know, even like the two siblings kind of talking to each other. And um, it, you I, one of the things that strikes me about what you're talking about is the movie then actually ties in being a valet to the the first like huge fight scene, like one of my favorite fight scenes I've ever seen, the one on the bus. And literally the the like maneuvers that you need to use to deal with the bus so everybody doesn't die actually comes into play, which actually is a really cool interlay with that conversation at at dinner that I hadn't thought about before. One of the things that I I found really interesting is with Shang-Chi and the overlapping of trying to kind of take in both his mother and his father and the, I think they might call it like light and dark or essentially like the good parts of yourself with the parts that you're not so fond of. And I'm just wondering how that part struck you guys. So I really liked it. It was like two cultures meeting because Shang-Chi and his sister were ended up after losing the mom being raised by the dad. And I mean, Shang-Chi was trained heavily as an assassin. Mm -hmm. And it was all about like how many, like even I think mentions it, like he learned every way possible to, to kill a person. Talk about having a dark side. I mean, like his, his, his dark, his, I mean, like, yeah, I understand why you're a little hesitant to embrace that side of yourself. Yeah. 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 And then, of course, um, when he goes to the village that his mom grew up in and meets his aunt, then he learns a different fighting style. And, And when I was watching it, I noticed a lot of it had to do with deflecting and Mm. kind of like absorbing energy and moving it to another direction versus those fierce like killing blows that he had been learning before and so again it's just that it's almost like that mixing of culture that mixing of culture but another thing that i really liked about it was it it showed that like even though his dad definitely went dark after losing the mom Mm. Shang-Chi still held on to everything his mom had taught him. And I, I just, I really, I really liked that. It was like something that he could hold on to when everything went dark. Yeah. That training scene with his aunt 
is what I'm thinking of when you're talking about him trying to fully integrate those sides of him. And and yeah, the I actually, I, I think there was some like behind the scenes or making of the movie kind of thing. And they talk about how they develop the different fighting styles. Um, but yeah, I love that part where he goes from the closed fist to the open hand. And I think that it's such a really great representation, I think, too, in terms of sometimes how we kind of react to things um, and we tense up and we get into fight mode versus, like you said, she really was trying to get him open to the energy and the flow rather than fighting against it and using all of his energy, kind of creating this agitation instead of just flowing with what was what was happening what was there I thought that was a really cool kind of they had this visual for this mental shift she was trying to encourage him to have so that he could be more open with himself yeah it's it's also a great representation this is getting a little bit nerdy which is you know when we think (laughs) about fear response right father is basically leading through fear fight fight or freeze and so we think about tensing and so when we're fighting close fist but then when we learn to let go and embrace acceptance which you have the mindful nerd moment it's about accepting Mm -hmm. and embracing what comes and redirecting that or just observing so i think it's a great way to represent that through body through movement into these concepts yeah yeah absolutely you know i think that that's one of the things Psychology, psychology, I think, is trying to get better about it. But a lot of times, you know, it's thought of as talk therapy. And, you know, when we think about mental health, we think about, you know, the medications and the talking about things. But the body is so important. And and the integration of mindfulness and meditation and other things, um, I think, is a complicated one. And, Jack, potentially you have opinions on that. But um, I, I think it's it's ways of trying to integrate in more of that body piece. Um, and, and there are actually some mental health providers that integrate a lot of body work into the treatment they do with people because of just what the body holds on to. Wait, so let, let me ask. So is it, is it basically one of those things where they are seeing that very clear connection between mental and physical is that basic is that more or less what it is absolutely um we like to think of the brain as separate from the body you know we even talk about yeah here's your physical health and here's your mental health but the brain's attached to everything else and right and the more we learn the more we see the other parts of the body kind of affect how we how we feel and and how we think and um absolutely it's all interconnected kind of like jack you were talking about with when something happens, your body reacts, so does your mind. Um, and how how you think and how you feel, it interacts with what your body is doing. And that's why a lot of times we might do things like try and help someone release that tension, just like the ant does with Shang-Chi when she's trying to open his fists into that open hand, allow to the flow of energy. I mean, in a different kind of way, I, I think that's what a lot of therapy is trying to do really well i think it's also very telling because remember that scene where sanchi basically keeps striking at that wood post oh, to the point yeah. where he bled right so what mm-hmm. is you're talking about this i'm suddenly having that image where he just kept striking it and suddenly his 
this is bleeding. And yet, for him, it still wasn't good enough until his father said, stepped in and said, hey, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like he's holding something so tensely. Well, I was going to say, and one thing that was very interesting about the dad that I kept, he was... He was one of my favorite characters in the movie because one of the things that I really found interesting about him was that he was showing that he was able to change mm. upon meeting the mom and spending that time with her and having the children. And then he ended up shifting back after she passed, which is something that's very easy to do and very human. But on top of that, what we have to remember is he was the dark in the dark place for a thousand years and then met the mom. Right. And so it was one of those things that was like, this is very, he's still technically in the very first stages of learning to live a normal, peaceful life. And, and it yeah. was one of those things I kept thinking about throughout the movie. I'm like, oh, yeah. He's been around for a thousand years. It wasn't one of those things like, oh, yeah, he he got the rings. He raised Shang-Chi and his sister, and then it went dark. No, he and you think about like how old um, uh, the kids were when the mom passed. That's the that's the length of time that uh, he had stopped being this force to be reckoned yeah. with so what, and like feared all years? over the world. Right. Uh, Versus maybe the 15 thousand years that came before that. Yeah. That's a really great point where it's very impressive that he was willing to put that power away. It just shows what an impression that she had on, on him. Um, and yeah, it it's, and it's also just so sad to see what happens with, um, you know, with his wife, um, Shang-Chi's mom dying. Um, and then he picks the bracelets back up. And it actually, oh, man, it like makes me think, too, so much about um, take, take people who are really struggling to say, like, deal with trauma. And a lot of times there's this sense of nothing is safe. You have to have your guard up all of the time or else something bad is going to happen because something bad has happened. Uh, and so, you know, you finally work to put your defenses down. You know, we, we don't want to go it through life, you know, not not looking at the traffic lights and just walking into the street, for example. Like, obviously, safety is important, but how do we allow for risk and lower our defenses enough to actually live our lives? And then bam, you get hit with something. Um, you know, there's a mass shooting out there again or something terrible happens to that person or a family member or something. And then, yeah, just like when Woot, there go the rings back on the wrists. Um, it can be really hard to put those defenses down enough to, I mean, you see how things disintegrate with his family when he puts the rings back on. Um, and yet, from a certain perspective, I think we can all understand how he would end up choosing that path. Right. And well, and not just that, we also have to remember he put those rings back on and started hearing his wife 
talking to him. Mm, yeah. Which, how are you going to take them off when you're in a stage of mourning and you feel like this is the only time now that I can hear her voice, that That's I can feel point. close? And it was one of those things where I was sitting there, I was going to ask y'all about it as well, because I know that there are um, certain instances when it comes to mental health where people actually are hearing voices mm -hmm. that aren't there oh, right yeah. now in this of course it is he's hearing a voice and it's a giant mythical dragon behind the wall but there's a whole in, yeah there's a whole mcu kind of right. string to it yeah yeah but in reality i was gonna ask you all about it like as far as like a diag is there like a specific diagnosis when someone hears voices that aren't there like what is it that that would be I get e equilibrated to in the real world. Oh, it could be a whole heck of a lot of things. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, even in a grief process, a person might hear voices or they might, they might hear the person who died or who's no longer there. Um, they might have certain experiences and honestly, kind of depending on how they respond to it, it might, you know, maybe it goes on to be being seen as a mental health issue, or maybe it's seen as processing grief or connecting to the person who's gone. Uh, it can actually be a pretty complicated thing. Uh, Jack, I don't know what more you, you might have to add about that. Well, I mean, I think I would agree with everything you've mentioned. Uh, I think you have greater insight in working with the SMI population. Uh, I mean, but yeah, I but yeah. I'm always... Interested in what other psychologists think. So <laughs> I guess this is more of a philosophy shift that I've taken uh, just over the past several years. Part of it is rather than pathologizing hearing voices, could it also be more of a spiritual connection that I'm yeah. connecting with the deceased? And and Keenan, I like that you're highlighting that they are going through a grief process. Mm -hmm. right. And the grief process is going to look vastly different uh, for each individual, you know, there's a cycle of grief that we've been taught, but, you know, I don't know how valid that is. And, and so for him, as you're saying, yeah, I'm picking up this ring and it's further reinforced by the voice. And then, so I feel connected to my wife who I've lost. So I'm going to keep holding on and then creates this sense of attachment. I want to go see her. And I guess taking from a mindfulness Buddhist concept, it's like this the strong attachment that I'm unwilling to let go of the reality that my wife is dead. And mm -hmm. so his behavior, the consequences of that attachment leads him to essentially releasing this demon dragon thing from another realm. Yeah. And I, I feel like that time aspect just continues playing into it because it's something whenever the concept of immortality is introduced. It's something that we can't, we cannot comprehend, right? Like, mm, oh, yeah. we're, we're not aging. We're just going through time and it, time just passes and flows and you just stay the same age. And that sense that you're running out of time just doesn't exist. It's just not really a thing. And so as far as we know, his wife was the first person he became very attached to. I mean, at least and, in a thousand years. 
Right. He hadn't given up the rings at any other point. Right. And so this is something that actually made him shift from a thousand years of him being who he is. And so I really felt for him because it's you went so long without love. And then all of a sudden you had it. And then in a blink of an eye compared to his thousand years before that, it was snatched away. And now he's in a position where it's like, I don't care if I have to. And I think he even says it. I'm going to, I'll burn that village to the ground. If it means that I get, I get my wife back. And so it was, it was very heartfelt. And I, I really felt for him. There were so many times in the movie that I felt like he was a, it was almost like one of those movies where yes, Shang-Chi is the main character, but I, but it really felt like it was about the dad so much just because of how, how much he was going through emotionally. It's so sad too, because it, it also shows how you can be, so desperate to hold on to something that you completely lose your connection to everything else. Right. Um, and so, you know, like with Shanxi, you know, like you're, you're seeing how disconnected they became. And then in the final moments, you, you finally get to see that reconnection again. And, and it's really sad. There's, there's just so much, I think really great, analogies and symbolism in this movie um yes there's super powered and monsters and all that stuff but um really the connection to his wife was there all along yes it was in his children and he couldn't he couldn't like jack you were talking about he couldn't take on the reality of his wife being gone enough to be able to still embrace what was still truly there of her uh, and, and it is really sad. And, and, you know, that's really interesting too, Keaton, cause you're, you're giving me actually more empathy for him because part of, at least part of me was like, God, what kind of dad trains his kid to be an assassin as like an early teen. And it's like, well, one that's been living for a thousand years and like all you're talking about with his wife happening. Yeah. And doesn't want to lose anyone else close to him. Doesn't want to lose anyone else. So you guys are going to be badass and like. Yeah. No one's going to be able to defeat you. And I mean, think about what it would be like to have kids when you've lived a thousand years, like your, your ability to kind of process their developmental situation and, and what it's probably a bit skewed after, you know, the first hundred or 200 years. And I hadn't really thought about that. Right. right. Yeah. I, I like that you're bringing this time piece because gosh, if you're living in, a thousand plus years, or if you're immortal, wouldn't you just be bored out of your mind? So bored. <laughs> yes. Right. You'll find anything. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I and know. and I think he even goes into it how he had all the power he wanted. So then he was just out there searching for, oh, I heard there's a hidden city. I'm gonna Let go find this. I'm gonna go find that. Let's do this now. And and so it's a, another thing it made me think about is um addiction uh people want for power the same way they might want for 
alcohol, the same way they might want for drugs. And I was sitting, I was sitting here and I was, as I was watching it, I was like, this is someone who just seeks out power. Even when he was looking for that village, he was mentioning, oh, there's a martial art that's unknown uh, mm-hmm. that I can, that I can get. And what I loved about this, what one of the things I did like about this movie is even though you learn early on, he's not a great guy. He still loves his children mm. like that. And, and that was one thing that I really liked because even when they were against his plan, he was like, lock them up. It was almost like, I'm going to ground you. Right. It was, I'm going to, I'm going to ground you, but don't worry. I still love don't worry, you. There's a jester in there. He'll keep you entertained. Right. Yeah. I still love you very much. And I really liked that because so many times whenever, uh, a, a parent is dealing with something like an addiction or, uh, they, they suffer from a, a certain issue. So many times it's so easy to take the focus and shift it to, Oh, they're just bad parents because they're mm-hmm. dealing with this. Like, and like I said, he's thirsting for power. He's grieving, but he still loves his kids. And that was just another thing that I just thought about while watching the movie, how many times people would label someone as being a bad parent as in like, Oh, well, if you loved your kids, you wouldn't do this. And it's like, mm, you can do bo- both of those are not mutually exclusive. That's, I think, one of the trickiest things about the mind is, is allowing for things that seem to be completely contrasting each other. Um, because it, I think I've talked about this before on here that one of the... I think one of the really tough things sometimes we have trouble wrapping our minds around certain things people might do because we start putting them in the box of like, you're, you're almost like not human anymore. We almost put you in like a monster box or you're, you're bad. Uh, but who have you, who has anyone met where you couldn't think of anything good about them or someone right. where you couldn't think of anything not so great <laughs> about them? There's people are so complicated and, and yeah, it's, and and I think, too, that's part of the tricky piece of people getting trapped in relationships as well is kind of these push-pulls that can be there. So I think most people would probably agree that he did not have the best parenting style with his kids uh, after his wife died. And even in their adulthood, he doesn't really have the best approach. Um, but if it was as as clean and clear as he's a bad person – then you wouldn't have people who struggle to leave toxic or unhealthy relationships, whether it's parent child or romantic or friendship or whatever it might be. Um, No, it's more complicated. There's, there's not just violence and distrust and coercion. There's also love and caring and a really happy for them, a really happy, what, seven, 10 years to start things off. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a a complicated movie because, uh, you know, when I was watching it the whole time, it it wasn't this clear black and white, here's the villain. Mm. You know, it was almost so, well, he clearly started out as the villain, didn't like the Mm. guy, did not like him at all. And suddenly they soften him up 
And then you're like, okay, what's going on? Then he went back to being the villain. So it, even within myself, when I was watching it, you know, we have a tendency to try to put in buckets labels. Mm. Oh, this is clear black yeah. guy. He's a bad guy. Great. You know, it just it just flows easier in terms of how we conceptualize the, you know, the comic world. And so for him to shift that role was really uh, created tension when I was watching it. Mm. Uh, I, I do. I am curious, though. You know, Amelia, when you were watching it, the daughter, she was mm -hmm. left basically in the background. Yeah. Yes. The whole time. So I'm, I'm kind of curious if you had any reactions to that, um, because mm -hmm. you know I was just picking up some of the, the gendered socialization that was happening, and I was just curious from your perspective. You know, what's interesting is I don't know how much I fully picked up on it. Partially because it often is <laughs> how things tend to be. Um, so you get kind of used to it. I almost, things stand out to me more when there's a difference, when something, when when the woman's more put in the forefront, because then it's different than kind of the norm. Um, yeah, you know, her character is actually really interesting. And I mean, we're talking about all these complicated things that happen. Well, meanwhile, she was literally essentially forced to do the exact same kind of process, but they very they they clearly kind of put it like oh, oh, but you're a woman, so you can't really be at the same level as your brother. Um, and I think even her aunt when they right when I think when they went to the like the magical land, she was like, "Hey, here's your time to shine." And I thought that was a really cool kind of way of pulling her character out and kind of seeing what she could do. Um, at the end of the day, the movie was still about Shang-Chi. So I don't know. I don't know if it fully got me there as, as much as I, I think I would have liked in the ideal world, but um, I, yeah, I found that really interesting how, I, I love how she kind of took the power herself. She created her own way. Um, they insinuate she then ends up, she's probably going to be the villain <laughs> in the <laughs> She future. takes over dad's business. She takes over <laughs> dad's business, but instead of like, you know how Jackie were like, oh, he's the bad guy. And okay, he's a little soft. Oh, he's the bad guy. With her, it's kind of like, she's the bad guy and I love it. Because <laughs> yeah. she kind of yeah. lived yeah. through some of her story with her. And you're like, yeah, you take back what you've been refused. Like, you've earned this. Yeah. So I, I think there's, like, an interesting, like, she had to fight so hard for it that I'm like, all right, I I dig you being the villain. I, I want to see where this goes. Yeah. I, I'm glad you're having that reaction because I was like, yeah, you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah. you go, girl, all right. I, I do love that, uh, that whole idea of, like, sexism and oh the girls can't fight they have to sit back and be safe i love just how quick they did away with that in yeah. this movie too because you see uh shang chi have the that really cool bus fight yeah. you see that and then the next thing you know he's in the ring with his sister and she whoops his ass and it was quick and it was i just loved seeing that because it was one of those things like 
if you thought this was going to be one of those movies where <laughs> he has to constantly save the girl, this ain't the movie for it. Because oh. even uh, his friend, Aquafina, she ends up becoming <laughs> becoming a badass in her own way. She becomes like a really good archer. And so I really loved that they didn't do that thing that you see so many times where it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, the, the 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 girl's falling, and good thing Superman's here to catch her. Like they did not, they That's did true, not do it's that. Like Lois Lane, she's so hardcore, but she's getting saved by a man all the time. Like all of the time. Yeah, that's a really great point, and I I. It's interesting because I kind of lose her somewhere in the middle of the movie, I think, or like near the end. But you're right. I I love her character in the start. And then I don't know. I um I think because they're kind of splitting between so many different characters later on, I kind of lose track with of her until the very end. And then yeah. you get reminded that she's been kind of floating in the background this whole time. Yeah, um, that's true. I love I loved her coming and the whole like I own the place. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And even and even before that, looking back at the dad. He hadn't lost the fight for a thousand years. As soon as he meets mm. the mom, she puts him on his butt. Like, and I, I, yeah. And so it was not one of the, this was not one of those movies where it's like, ladies, stand back. Like, uh-uh. They're, <laughs> no, you stand back. Yeah, it was good. I loved it. I absolutely loved that. There's, yeah, there's a lot of really cool characters. And... Like, yeah, I even like characters you only see little tidbits of. They have really great personalities. I think it's nice because all the women also like they there are different types of women and and you see different types of kind of action that they do, which is nice because um, like. Uh, I mean, we have more of these characters coming up, but I remember when the MCU was first kind of trying to do this. And like in the Avengers, they're like, let's have all the women do this one bit together. And it felt really cool in the moment, but then you realize that it was kind of... Why? Yeah. Why? Because, you know, Captain Marvel can just do it on her own, one. Right, yeah. Uh, And then two, it was like for like two seconds. Um, And so like they were trying, but they hadn't really figured it out. I feel like a movie like this does a much better job of you've got all these like cool, different female characters. Um, and yeah, like you said, that they, they kind of grow into their own or they are, are their own. Um, the mom actually, her character strikes me so much. I just love, I love her scenes. She's not even in the movie that much, but she's actually one of the characters that I, I think about quite a bit. I think because she, you know, she she shifts the energy so much for for his dad. I mean, I think that's why she stands out for me so much. There's just such power to do that. Yeah. So, Jack, um, I don't know how you're feeling about it, but I would love to hear more. You were talking about just kind of internally some of the reactions that you were having to the movie. I'd love yeah. to hear more. Yeah, I mean, for one, you know, as an Asian American, we don't grow up watching a lot of movies, especially superhero movies, where there is mm-hmm. Asian American representation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if there are, oftentimes we're put in the support character 
we're nerdy, right? And then we're providing some sort of tech support. Rarely are we the uh, an important element of the story piece. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of character development. Very simple, right? And so, it, you know, just it just doesn't you just don't see a lot of Asian Americans in Hollywood or in film. And so, I think it was very exciting to see it. At the same time, is really pulling at this uh, or wrestling with this idea. Oh wait, we we can be in film. What what does that look like? Mm. You know. And I think in doing my own podcast, I even. Uh, took the implicit association task. Uh, I do encourage folks, you know, who are interested in learning about diversity, racism, to look up implicit association task. And I did what I perceive as fine when when it came to you're comparing a white and black, you know, population, um, women and men when it came to gendered role uh, stereotypes, like you know, women, traditional role is that women will be involved with childcare, cooking and so forth. Mm. And so you know, I did find in those uh, implicit association tasks. But when it came to the uh, the Asian being viewed as foreigner, I literally, I mean, I knew about the IAT task since grad school. I never took yeah. that one. And, and I, I, wondered... I honestly didn't know that there there was one. Yeah, I, I only knew about the the white versus black. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I held off on it. And then, of course, I'm, I'm like, wait, why am I holding off on taking this mm. assessment? So then I took it and I was like, oh, my gosh, I view myself as a foreigner, you know. And oh, wow. so so and it's, I think part of a, a lot of the Asian American experience is that we are oftentimes put in the background. And so to watch a movie where, oh, whoa, you're highlighting, you know, all of us and, and we're not just support characters. And so that's very exciting. Um, and yet at the same token, there is still this tension that I'm feeling. Ooh, mm. feels weird. Like you were saying, you know, Amelia was like, well, if you see, a, you know, a, a female character playing out their natural sort of mm -hmm. socialized state, it's sort of fine, but, or you don't notice anything. But when they do something different, that's when you notice something. Yep. And so this is what's happening in the film. It's something different. Yeah. 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 Um, every now and then I've read some stuff by Simu Liu, who uh, plays Shang-Chi. And he was actually uh, in Kim's Convenience, uh, which is a show. I don't know if either one of you have watched it. I've but, heard of it, um, but I haven't seen it. So I think it's a Canadian show. Um, it's about a, I believe, like a South Korean family. I think the parents were from South Korea, but I think the kids were born in the United States and they own a convenience store and um, has some kind of things. He's talked a bit about um, some kind of unfortunate things in the background in terms of the writing room and some other stuff. But um, it's I I enjoyed the, the show and I think um, a lot of folks have have liked the once again just kind of putting in the forefront hey let's let's put people into the main character roles that we haven't given that opportunity to um and um yeah it's it's been really interesting just i definitely recommend anyone who's interested it's interesting to kind of see the things he's talked about and described in interviews 
going through essentially this process to be that superhero uh, when you didn't have that opportunity. Yeah, you didn't have that represent representation that you got to see. Um, and I mean, like my child. So I'm I'm white and have Europe a lot of European background, but my daughter is half South Korean in ethnicity and race. So. Uh, it was also really cool and weird too because I think because, so grow, growing up I was white and so I saw a lot of white people in movies uh, but now I have a daughter who her racial background is different than mine and so in some ways I feel like I was realizing some of these things very recently um, and so I just have a lot of appreciation that we seem to be in a time period now where hopefully her experience will be different where for you jack it's very jarring it sounds like in some ways i'm hoping for her uh she you know hopefully will be able to see representations she can relate to a bit more easily yeah um jack one of the things i was going to ask you about because i know you said there was some internal conflict with the movie when it comes to how Asians are portrayed in film. Martial martial arts, mm. it's nothing, it's nothing new, right? And I was sitting there thinking, like, I bet that it was it it could be one, it could be portrayed two different ways, right? Like it could be portrayed like, oh, martial arts movie, Asian guy can fight really well. And it can be kind of looked at negatively because of how it's like, no, we can do way more than that like mm. starting all the way back from when uh bruce lee was co-starring in the green hornet right um but then at the same time i've also look at it as one of those things like it's martial arts it should be them representing their culture mm. right like it's yes. almost like it's two yes, sides of the I same think coin that is such a great point uh because when I was watching this, I thought, oh, wait a second. This is like a, a iron fist. What's going on? You know, <laughs> they're fighting with their fists. And when I watched Iron Fist on Netflix, I definitely was like, oh, that didn't, didn't feel right here. Mm. <laughs> it feels off. Oh, yeah. It's like cultural appropriation. What's going on? You know? Right. Uh, I mean, I grew up watching martial arts, uh, Chinese martial arts. It, it There is a cultural element. It's like when you think about European uh culture i mean when you think about films it's about western guns right that's sort of the mm. the activity if you will uh when it comes to fighting and with the east asian culture well the method of fighting was martial arts and but martial arts i mean it's i'm sure there's a huge huge uh area where people talk about it's a way of life you know it's a philosophy so it goes beyond just this fighting um but i do like your comment Keenan, which is yeah this it, why not have the asian american engage in this uh i guess fighting ability mm. right yeah it is I a it is a balance you know how especially i think it's it's trickiest i think at these pressure points right where we're sh trying to shift the focus um uh, balancing out that how do we honor the what makes 
what makes a person who they are. And the cultural background is obviously a part of that while also not making it, oh, every time a person's from a certain culture, they have to be played out in the exact same way. It's such a, just such a balance. And I I definitely respect people trying to figure out that balance, especially especially when it's something, unfortunately, a little bit newer for like our superhero movies or just in Hollywood in general. Yeah. And representation is just so important. Repre- it, it's one of those things. And like, like Jack said earlier, so many times the, the Asian character is the side character, the funny best friend, the, the fish out of water. Like, he it's it's always something where it's you're not the main character, but you're going to help the main character. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, it's like, no, the Asian culture is the central focus and they are the main characters. And like and I feel like as far as famous movies here in the West, you don't see it as often as you should. Like I was thinking about it. I was like, I thought about like crazy rich Asians, right? Like absolutely phenomenal cast. They did such an amazing job, such a good movie, but it's not something that you see often when you see such a heavily diverse cast, but it's a story that isn't 100% delved in. Oh, this is my color. And that is what the whole movie is about, right? Yeah, you don't yeah. see a lot of integration, a lot of, right? Right. Yeah. Right, and I mean, from my and from my standpoint, because like I can only speak from like my perspective. It's one of those things where, like, when you think about movies that are that have a heavily black cast, right? I'm tired of seeing movies about slavery. I'm tired of seeing movies mm. about. The, the ghetto and the, the, the struggle or violence or drugs, right? Like, I want to see a regular story told about yeah. people that look like me. And I think that Shang, I, I feel like Shang-Chi did a, I feel like it did a pretty good job of that. But like I said, I can't, I feel like I also can't speak on that because it's not, it's not my culture. It's not my background, right? Yeah, but I, I wouldn't discount the fact that, you know, uh, that you do connect with a group that's been marginalized. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's the same idea. I mean, how, you know, folks, uh, people of color being in film is a whole separate topic. I mean, back yeah. then, it's like if you're black, you have to put on a white face, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. Did that with dancers, you know, it's just, but, eh. But, you know, African-Americans were here in the United States much longer before Asian-Americans. That's fine. Right. But we should start to see some Asian-American representation in film, especially right. going beyond the psychic character or the emotional right. support character. Yes. Need more yep. depth. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So definitely this movie, I, I mean, the directors, they were definitely being very intentional. So that I appreciate. Yes. Yeah. I think too, it just, um, I think it was the Oscars. I forget how long ago there was just actors finally were like, Hey, 
we're so tired of this. We're so tired of how it's always the white stories being put at the forefront. Um, and the nominations. The nominations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of that I remember stuff. that year. Yeah. 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 So, um, and I, I think, I think, I mean, it wasn't a new idea, but it w- one of the things that I believe was really pressed then um, that's very helpful is you can't, I think this happens even within like psychology or other places where you're trying to diversify is you can't just focus on one point. And so I think it was kind of people meant well, but it was a shallow attempt. It's a shallow attempt to say, okay, well, we're going to have a character in there. Uh, And it can even be in uh, a shallow attempt. And I don't mean it's consciously, but you can inadvertently have a shallow attempt, even having a full cast. Right. And it, it, and, it, and it might not necessarily be that movie or that representation, but if you look at them all together, if, say, like, Keaton, you're talking about, if they're always about slavery or, you know, some sort of struggle that we stereotypically identify with a certain group or, um, like, a lot of times uh, with women, you know, we're always about the man or the kid. Right. So it's all, you know, you're always a straight woman who wants to have a guy, you want to have kids or you lose a kid and that's your motivator. Um, You know, I I think just in general, it's really important to have inclusion at all parts. And so that's one of the things that this movie did incredibly well. Um, The Wakanda movies have also done incredibly well where, no, you don't have to be a part of a group to be able to uh, work on representing them well and telling stories, but you, you really need to, you need to have those connections. You need to make sure that there are people who live and breathe and truly fully understand what you're trying to represent. Kind of like, you know, if you're writing a book, uh, you're going to have to research and really delve into the things that you haven't experienced yourself. And I think it's really helped. You can't just diversify by plopping a character in. You've got to have, you have to have writers, you have to have directors, you have to have producers, you have to have people in all the different areas diversified as well so that you're right. not missing something. And it's really easy for it to be shallow. I can't remember who it was, but it it was um it was something mentioned with the Oscars and I think it was a creator and uh of the film and I think he 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 kind of said like I appreciate the award I wasn't attempting to win best foreign film ah oh, oh, that does sound familiar well, I want I want it to be I want it to be the best film I'm I not I think it was yeah I yeah. think it was. I can't a, remember an, who it was, but it was an American film, but it was a lot of it was in a different language. I don't remember yeah. which language, but and I remember yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to win best foreign film. I want to win best film. Why are you mm-hmm. still separating it? Like, I get what you're trying to do, but I'm not, I don't, I don't like that. Right. Yeah. And, and Kinda so hitting on what Jack was talking about. Oh, right. Exactly. I don't see my, you know, that, that foreign concept. Right. Yeah, it's so ingrained. Yeah. Well, Jack, it's been a huge pleasure to have you join us and talk about this movie, which I know Keenan and I know and love, and um, glad we gave you an opportunity to watch it. Hopefully, it was enjoyable. Yes, thank for you. you. <laughs> 
hard to find movie nights still. It was a great excuse for me to sit down and just <laughs> eat some popcorn and, you know, nice. you enjoy it without interruption with the, from the kiddo. <laughs> perfect. And, and if you're not watching us on YouTube, uh, Jack also has the perfect outfit. He's got a nice little Batman emblem on his shirt. So, you know, he's he's one of us. Don't you worry. I know we talked MCU, but he's one of us. Um, so, Jack, is there anything that you would like to share or plug for yourself before we wrap up? Yes. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, I love, first of all, thank you very much for having me uh, on, you know, this Bat yeah. Therapy podcast. Thank love you. the content. I love it. I've been listening to y'all for, for a while. Um, and it's such a very lighthearted way to just integrate these ideas of, you know, uh, comics, uh, superheroes, and also bridging just realities of living, you know, uh, mental health issues, uh, just just talking about these important things in a very lighthearted way. So I really appreciate y'all having me here. The other thing too is, you know, uh, I do want to put a plug out there, which is uh, I have a podcast called People of Color in Psychology. Again, just the goal is to try to increase representation and really creating uh, visibility for people of color in psychology. Unfortunately, if you look at the APA statistics, only 15% of the psychologists are people of color. Only 15%. So that's very, very rare. Um, and so we do have a lot of guest speakers who are uh, BIPOC folks to talk about their research or clinical work. We also have, um, let's see, continuing education courses available for mental health professionals. They can get one, they can get however many hours APACE credit uh, based on the time of the training. We do have one coming up in January. Uh, it's Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Chronic Pain with Hispanic Clients. So if y'all want to register, that'd be great. Um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to include that on the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, we will. We will. We'll make a note. I will Definitely. make sure that the tech guy behind the, uh, Bill, my husband, the Lucius Fox for us, <laughs> makes a note of things. Thank you so much, Jack. Uh, yes, it was a pleasure you. having you. Um, you know, I always enjoy bonding over comics with other psychologists uh, and dragging Keaton along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I absolutely love it. Y'all are just so brilliant. And as you can tell, I always love just like, picking y'all's brains about things. It's just, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist, Dr. Amelia Brown. And I'm educator and comic aficionado, Keaton Hopkins. Check out my TV and movie reviews on YouTube at TeamJVS. Check out our website at bat-therapy.com, our Bat Therapy YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. And don't forget our Patreon page at patreon.com slash bat therapy. See you next week, same bat time, same bat channel.